All right, who's ready for this one? Huh? I asked you a question. You got to show me you're ready. Prove it. You know what? Get on your feet. Get on your feet. Get on your feet. Nobody knows another lyric. That's Gloria Estefan. Okay, and she's a big deal to some people. You know this. Okay, I guess that's about all I know when it comes to Gloria, but she's a big deal. I imagine she's performing in front of big crowds to this day. She's one of those sensational talents that will never be past her prime. Get on your feet. And 100,000 people just stand up. Well, that's what I want for this episode. Come on, folks. Get on your feet. No one on planet Earth knows the lyrics to conga. You're not allowed to even Google the lyrics to conga. You can't do it at karaoke night. You just leave conga alone. Leave it alone. Has anybody else had a really crazy week? Just a crazy one. Where you take a step back and go, shit, that was a lot. Okay, that was a lot. Yeah, and the week's not even over. I've had revelation after revelation after revelation. And one of the revelations is I'm going to create an app. I'm going to do it. I'm going to create an app and it's going to sense what's happening in our minds. And it's going to help us prioritize what matters in each moment. Because a lot of us don't know. A lot of us can float through some moments and then in retrospect go, "Ah, I wish I handled that a little differently. I wish I handled that a little differently. Could be a little moment like I'm holding my baby. Why am I scrolling through email? This email doesn't matter. None of this shit matters. Look at your baby. Or last year. This is where the thought comes from. Last year, Zoom school. As in no school, but we're Zooming with the students. So I got 34 students on my computer screen and I'm home alone. Just me in a chair and a laptop computer, and we call that school. Okay, not all the screens are on. Some of the kids are just in the darkness. But I got a full session going. I'm in the rhythm of pretending I'm talking to 34 students who are all so attentive. Oh, we're all so attentive in this Zoom world of teaching. It was a lost year. I think we all know that. But as I'm teaching, I hear a knock on the front door. I hear a knock. And in that moment, I said to the class, all right, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll be right back. Probably a weird moment for a lot of them. Where's he going? What happened? And I opened the door and it's the old lady from across the street and she has a huge gift basket for our baby-to-be. She saw us on a family walk. She saw my wife pregnant and this old lady who we didn't really know at all. She decided to go to Cole's and buy a bunch of nice stuff for us and bring it over. She crossed the street with her walker and her assistant or her handler or whoever this guy is that helps her out. She didn't know I was teaching a class, a high school class on Zoom. So she knocks on the door. I open, and there she is with this big gift basket. Hello! And I said, hi, 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 how are you? I already have rushed tone. I already have rushed tone to this sweet old lady with a gift basket for my future baby girl. And she says, I just wanted to bring over some things. And then one by one, she starts to tell me. 
This is a unicorn headband. It goes around her head. Okay, okay, I realized I don't have the patience for this. I got to get back to my kids. So I told her, I straight up said, I have a class on Zoom. Not sure if that registered. I didn't even know if she understood what remote teaching is. I mean, this lady was old. And she said, and this is a book by the great Dr. Seuss. And these are booties. And that's a rattle. She just kept going and going and going. And at one point, I think I hurriedly, 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 I think I hurried her out of there. I just grabbed the basket and said, thanks so much. Thanks so much. I'm going to come by later and really thank you. You know, I kind of gave her handler the look like, let's speed the shit up. And he gave me a look like, fuck off, dude. I get paid nine bucks an hour to mix Metamucil and fluff pillows. So I'm not in the mood for your bullshit. And I was like, all right, all right, all right. I just rushed this old lady out. And I felt like it mattered more to get back to 34 teens that truly didn't give a shit about whatever my lesson was that day. Let's be honest. What mattered more in that moment? I should have stayed with that lady for 20 minutes of sheer gratitude and appreciation. But instead, I rush her back across the street and I get back to my students for a highly forgettable day of Zoom learning. And then, yep, last week I found out that she died. I know this sounds like it's taking a morbid turn, but I just found out from a neighbor that that old lady passed away. My neighbor. I didn't even know that. I met her once, maybe twice. What a sweet soul. What an amazing person to bring me a giant gift basket for this baby. And I hear she died without me having any more quality time with her, without me getting to know her. So in that moment, the app would have alerted me to forget about the bullshit of Zoom class and stay with the old lady. Prioritize what matters in a moment. We don't do a good job of that. As people, we get so consumed with the little things in the current moment, with what's right in front of our face. And sometimes it blinds us to bigger issues that we should probably focus on, to bigger things happening that are going to actually matter more in the future. Connecting with a neighbor is big. Putting down the damn devices and connecting with any humans, it's big. we got to prioritize. That stuff will matter later in life. That will matter. But most of the shit happening on these screens, nah, mm-mm, no, won't matter. For anything that bugs you or bugs me, bothers you or bothers me, you gotta ask the question, will this matter in five days? And the answer to 99.99% of that is no, no. Most of the shit that we're upset about right now in this moment, it won't matter in five days, maybe in five minutes. But what if that was an app? A little alert sound would go off. Beep, 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 beep. You'd look at your phone. You go, oh, my prioritize app is going off. It turns out I'm not prioritizing what matters most in this moment. We're so bad at that. The human race is just pretty shitty with prioritizing what matters most. There are a lot of people missing some wonderful moments that are right within their grasp because they're consumed with some little tiny irritating, annoying detail that should just float by, but it grabs a hold of you and it rustles you into the ground. And then a few years fly by, you find yourself at a monastery with the other Buddhist monks after you commit to a life of meditation and you say, hey, yeah, it's good to be here with you. What's that? We don't speak here? Okay. Yeah, I should probably leave. I should probably get going. 
but that lady's a sweet neighbor. I have a sweet neighbor on the other side. I got a sweet neighbor on the other side. I love old neighbors. Love them. I'm back in the town I grew up in. And I got to be honest, one of the least exciting things is running into people you weren't really friends with and you haven't seen in 25 years. But it happens. If you move back to the town you're from, I don't care where you go, a restaurant, the park, gas station, the mall, grocery store, you're going to run into these people. Now, I don't mean to sound antisocial. I don't mean to sound antisocial. I like a lot of people. I do. I do. I do. I like a lot of people. But here's how every conversation goes. You see them. They're 20 years older. They have a spouse, a couple of kids in strollers. Seems like all the people I run into, it's the same exact conversation. A little of, hey, 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 I thought it was you. Yeah, how are you? How you been? Uh-huh. No, no, not in radio anymore. I'm actually a teacher over at Novato High School. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. And how about you? Uh-huh. Oh, I, I don't know what that is. No, I, I haven't heard of that. But you're, you, you enjoy it? Great. Okay, cool. Right on. And who are these? Who are these little ones? Uh-huh. And how old is she? Oh, and how old is he? The little one in the stroller. Oh, my God. So you got your hands full. <laughs> you certainly have your hands full. Terrific. Yeah. It's been nice lately, hasn't it? Get right to the weather because we ran out of common ground. I mean, we could talk about daycare and nap schedules, but then there's always a spouse to introduce me to. And the spouses are stressed because just running into someone, the old obligatory, I guess we'll catch up for two minutes. I guess we knew each other 20, 25 years ago. So, yeah, this is my spouse. And I look at the spouse, I go, it's really nice to meet you. And that is an absolute lie. In this moment, it's not that great, but it's really nice to meet you. Spouse of someone I wasn't really friends with 20 years ago. And spouse looks stressed as shit because spouse has to do everything in that moment. Chase the kids around, get annoyed with the fact that their husband is trying to have a conversation and disregarding everything the kids on the slide oh god the kids pick in his nose oh god the kid blew out a diaper and the husband won't pay attention so the spouse is pissed and i'm trying to catch up with these people that i don't need to catch up with that's every conversation hey how are you uh-huh so what do you do for a living oh interesting you're in data entry you enter data wow like all kinds of data or what kind of data? And my wife's doing the eye roll and his wife's doing the eye roll and kids are going nuts. They're getting loud. And I'm trying to understand data entry. Holy shit. You know what? I embrace it. I embrace it. I will. I will. Those moments will matter. Later in life, those moments will matter. It's a good thing I'm not just scrolling and scrolling on TikTok. All right, we're still in a pandemic. That's breaking news. We're still in the same pandemic that we seem to have always been in. But we're still in the pandemic. I'm still reading the occasional article about orange tier, yellow tier, green tier, purple tier, brown tier, green light, yellow light, red light, orange tier, yellow tier, red tier. You're just like, what? what? Transmissions, hospitalizations, orange tier, yellow tier, transmissions, boosters, vaccine, orange tier, yellow tier, red tier, clear tier. I have tears streaming down my face because the articles don't stop. But I finally got out. And what I mean by that is I haven't been to a sporting event throughout this pandemic. I haven't even been on a flight. I guess I'm overly cautious in the eyes of many. I haven't even hosted a party. And you know me, I'm like the Gatsby with my cocktail parties. I haven't been able to host my martini parties. God damn it. But this past Friday night, my buddy Rick 
took me out to Cobb's Comedy Club, which is my home base, my happy place. And we saw Andrew Santino was headlining. Andrew Santino, I've seen him a couple of times. Great comic. Really like his podcast called Whiskey Ginger. Good interviewer. He's on the show Dave, which I like. And I was thinking, you know what? Finally, I'm ready. I'm ready. And they make you show that vaccine card. They make you show the card. So by the time you get in, you don't have to wear a mask. I was worried, do I have to wear a mask in a comedy club? Just laughing to my mask. But no, everybody there, it's San Francisco. And we're talking about the Bay Area, which is doing pretty damn well with flattening the old curve. So we get in there, masks off, pabst blue ribbon, tall can, just ready for a show. Ready for a show. And made us wait a full hour. The ticket said 9.45. The show didn't even start till almost 11. The opener was weak. The feature act was okay. And then Andrew Santino comes out fully blacked out. Dude was so drunk. So drunk. That's why we were all waiting outside in line. And just waiting in the club. It was a full packed sold out show this guy stumbles onto the stage with a little notebook of material not great material got to admit it and this guy's a good comic but he just couldn't put a thought together drinking his beers trying to do crowd work none of it landed almost the type of crowd work where he was remorseful like he would say something to an audience member like a real sad drunk you go who do you do for a living and then he would insult them and go, so, sorry, sorry, I don't really feel that way. I don't, I don't really feel that way about you. I respect you. And we're like, oh, this is a train wreck of a show. Then he wouldn't get off the stage. And at one point he just says, bring the lights up, bring the house lights up. And he tried to turn it into a Q&A, but people had bad questions and he had even worse answers. So this is one of the shittiest comedy shows I've ever been to. But that's also the beauty of comedy. It's raw. It's organic. It's unscripted. You're not really gonna see a polished act most nights it's different whatever mood the comedian's in whatever substance they're abusing hey we're at the mercy of that you bought the ticket you know the game i've seen it happen many many times although i've seen some comedians who are drunk and they could still do a show andrew should probably sober up a little bit at least the night of a show still love him still love him but i was thinking all right it's like 12.40 a.m. Got kids at home. Got an early morning. I looked at my buddy Rick and I said, do we bounce? And he gave me a look like, oh no, I got to see how bad this is going to get. And it got bad. And the crowd was groaning and people were like, shut up, stop. Can we go? It actually became, can we go? We were like a bunch of bad students in a boring class. Uh, can we go? Can we just go? But here's what I noticed as we walked around the city streets. San Francisco is truly up in smoke, unlike any place I think I've ever seen. And I mean currently. San Francisco smokes so much weed unapologetically, way more than vaping and cigarettes, just clouds of weed above the city. That's not fog, folks. That's chronic. It's amazing how acceptable it is. Way more acceptable than lighting up a cigarette. I bet if someone just lit up a cigarette on the streets, people would be like, oh, cross the street. But you light up some weed? Oh my God. Shameless. It's amazing. This is something when I was growing up, it was something you hide, you hide, you keep it on the down low. You go to a creek. If you hear any adults, you run full speed down into the forest, into the wilderness. San Francisco, oh my good Lord. This was the highest crowd, the highest area. People just floating around. I guess weed culture has completely eliminated the stigma that this is something bad. I was just observing. No one's hiding it. No one. 
So was it a good night? Eh. Eh. I mean, not really. Not really. But the next day, my buddy tweeted at him. Hey, were you blacked out on stage last night? And he actually wrote back on Twitter. He said, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. So go see Andrew Santino. His tour is rolling through a city near you. And you know who's opening for him? Gloria Estefan. Come on, baby. You'll never meet someone that dislikes Gloria Estefan. Is that how you pronounce it? Or is it Estefan? Gloria. Let's just call her Gloria. You'll never meet someone that dislikes that. You never meet someone that's like, I fucking hate Gloria Estefan. But you also will never meet someone that's like, I'm really into Gloria Estefan lately. Like I've been listening to the Lumineers. I like the new Nas stuff. And Gloria Estefan. I like that song where she tells people to get on their feet. That's a really important message. No. It's like she's just a commercial creation that works. Works for weddings, bar mitzvahs, quinceaneras, graduation parties. Get on your feet. Plus, you know, you kind of want to get on your feet when you hear that. That's a motivational message. It's simple, but it's motivational. Hey, everyone. Just before we start this podcast, I'm going to give you a chance to get on your... Okay, next topic. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. I think I've talked about La Bamba quite a bit on this podcast. What is this? Episode 160, 161, 162? Where are we? But we're in the 160s now. So I think I've mentioned pretty much everything about myself, including the fact that La Bamba is my favorite movie of all time and still the only movie that makes me cry sorrowful, sorrowful tears. I mean, it's not like I just get misty-eyed, but anytime I watch La Bamba, it's a full-on outburst of grief. Happened the first time I saw it when I was seven years old, and it will happen well into my 40s and beyond. And it introduced me to this tragedy, The Day the Music Died. People know about it from the Don McLean song, Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, Richie Valens on a flight from Iowa, on a tiny little plane on their tour, taking a flight from Iowa to Fargo, North Dakota. And I've learned quite a bit about this tragedy. But I recently found out a tidbit that was just downright bizarre. That was just downright bizarre about the day the music died. That's February 3rd, I think 1959. I should have written that down. I know it's February 3rd, but I think 1959. So here's what led me down this path to continue learning and learning and learning about it. Although I thought I knew everything about this winter dance party tour featuring Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, the Big Bopper, and Dion and the Belmonts. Wait, who's Dion and the Belmonts? Are you being serious right now? You know Dion and the Belmonts. All right, it's back when music sounded like this. Let me give you a taste of Dion just so you know who else was on this tour. I want to be the dun 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 guy. I'm going to start my own Dion and the Belmonts cover band. I'll be the dun 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 Probably pulling a lot of girls after the show. Well, who are you? Well, close your eyes, honey. 
I'm going to relive it. That's me the whole show. I'm the dun 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 guy with the acapella sound that makes everybody swoon. Yeah, that's Dion and the Belmonts. Okay, I need to just get to it already. My wife is from Holly, Minnesota, and I want you to Google that. Population 17. H-A-W-L-E-Y. You've never heard of Holly, Minnesota. Guarantee. Most of you, maybe a few of you, have actually heard of Holly. It's closer to Fargo, North Dakota than Minneapolis. So their tour was on its way to Fargo, North Dakota, but they were going to play a show in Moorhead, which is across the river. See, I know my North Dakota geography now because I married into this world. So Fargo is really close to Moorhead, and the following night, they were supposed to play a show, a radio-sponsored show. I'm going to get some of these facts wrong, but just stay with me. A radio-sponsored show at the Moorhead Armory. So people had their tickets. They were amped to see Buddy Holly every day. It's a little closer with those black frame glasses, the big bobber, and Richie Valens. My favorite, my absolute favorite, 17-year-old Richie Valens at the time on this tour making a name for himself. Oh, Donna? I mean, this was a big deal, filling arenas. But my wife, her heart is still in this area. She lives here in the Bay Area. So she's a Bay Area gal. She's a Bay Area broad now, but her heart is still in this area. So she goes onto Facebook from time to time and looks at old Holly history. There's a page with old Holly stories and Holly photos and links to Holly, Minnesota stories, and she likes it. Nostalgia is sweet, these old vintage photos of her neighborhood. She likes to look at it. And she also knows that I like Richie Valens. So she showed me a post of someone that actually had the tour poster, an original tour poster. And then I read all the comments below on Facebook. And these are people that said, I was there that night. I was like, I was there that night. And I kept reading this story. Oh, I was there that night too. I was like, what night? There was no show, right? I never thought there was another show on this tour. Where were you? Turns out, there was another show. They continued the winter dance party with Dion and the Belmonts and a 15-year-old named Bobby V. Why? Because Bobby V knew all the words to the Buddy Holly songs, to the Richie Valens songs, to the Big Bopper songs, and he had a band himself. He was a local Fargo kid, and I mean kid, 15 years old. He got on stage that night, and this is really, you know, hours after the day the music died, as much mourning as music fans could ever endure, yet there were some people that still attended the show. There were some people that actually found out at the show. Think about this for a moment. You had tickets to see your favorite rock stars. You find out as you're approaching the arena that they're not going to be playing that night because they all tragically died in a plane crash. I know this is morbid, but the show will go on. Oh, don't worry, folks. We're going to have Dion and the Belmonts playing and Bobby V, a 15-year-old. Now, who's Bobby V? All right, let me give you a taste. I think most of you know Bobby V, but I'll give you a little taste. And though it really hurts me so, there's something that I've got to say. Take good care of my baby. Please don't ever make her blue. Just tell her that you love her Make sure you're thinking of her In everything you say and do Bobby V went on to have a legendary career. 
By the way, when you hear music like that, like that bubblegum pop sound from the 50s, what does it make you feel? Does it make you feel good? Is it indescribable? Or are you just like, it's kind of gleeful. Like there's something that just rushes through you, makes you feel in love. Even if you're single, you're like, yeah, I feel in love. <laughs> I feel love surging through my veins. What is this, Bobby V? Take good care of my baby. And this is where I start freaking out as my wife is showing me Holly history on Facebook on this old school Facebook page of memories and comments and photos. And I was like, no way in hell. So the day the music died is considered February 3rd. And I believe tickets to this show in Moorhead, North Dakota also said February 3rd. They played a show. There were people in the audience probably destroyed, emotionally destroyed, but still got a show. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I was saying to my wife, the equivalent, I was like, what if we were on our way to see Eminem, Dr. Dre, Snoop at the Cow Palace? Yeah, I'll just use Cow Palace. And as we got there, we heard, yeah, they won't be uh, performing tonight. They all died in a plane crash, but we do have a 15-year-old local Bay Area rapper that's still going to try to capture your attention. Am I even walking into the Cow Palace at that point? And my Dr. Dre Eminem Snoop reference pales in comparison to the popularity of Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, Big Bopper back then. So holy shit to that. That's bizarre music history that the show truly went on. 15-year-old kid, Bobby V. And as the story goes, he did well. He did well. And here I am saying 15, so young, but Richie was 17. You know something, do yourself a favor this weekend. Get away from Netflix, Hulu, all these new shows that are forgettable. Go ahead, watch La Bamba. Watch Lou Diamond Phillips deliver. Go ahead, do it. And then write to me on Twitter. Or if you have my number, just write to me and say, yeah, Josh, uh, you're right. Probably the most emotional movie I've ever seen, especially the last five minutes when the mom hears the news and she's hanging the laundry and Bob was working underneath the car and then he runs to the end of the street. He holds the fence and just screams, Richie! Oh, and then they go into the song. And Richie had a fear of flying. And there's parts of the movie where his nightmare unfolds of a plane crash above a school. I'm getting emotional just talking about it. I'm getting emotional just talking about it. All right, you know what else gets me emotional? Coleman Hawkins. Coleman freaking Hawkins. I'm bringing up some names today that you might know and you might not know. But I had this student last year. Kid was like a jazz virtuoso, jazz pianist. And he kept sending me links to a bunch of great songs. And the kid knows his jazz. And he's not my student anymore, but I ran into him. And I said, hey, keep sending me recommendations because everything you've sent me is good. And as I cook every night, I like to cook dinner every night. I like to chop, mince, dice, puree, saute, grill. I do it all. I broil and I boil. You should see this kid. He moves nicely. In the kitchen, but always playing some jazz out of that jam box. Always playing some jazz because of this kid's recommendations. And he sends me a little link to Coleman Hawkins. And he says, Rosenberg, this is the greatest tenor sax player of all time. I gave it a sample and immediately it melted me. 
touched me. There's something about this style of jazz that I could just see myself narrating a life story. Right when the sax comes in. It's a nice little piano intro, but every Coleman Hawkins sound, and you should look them up too, Coleman, C-O-L-E-M. Do I have to spell that? You know how to spell Coleman Hawkins, H-A-W-K-I-N-N-E-S. I can't spell. Oh, boy. H-A, come on, Josh. W-O-B-O-E-K-I-A. I got to tap out. But Coleman Hawkins, as smooth as it gets in any mob movie or really any old school movie you've seen where it starts with a little voiceover narration, and that's what you could do. You could play the game yourself. You could hit the post with your radio intros or you could play the Coleman Hawkins narrate your life as the movie begins. We're all just living a movie, every one of us. If we just picked the top 10 highlights of our entire lives and you had good actors, good screenwriters, a good score, all of us, all of us have movie quality lives. Except for the folks I run into in this damn hometown. Hey, how old is he? <laughs> he looks like a handful, a little Texas tornado, ain't he? And who's this? That's ah, nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm Josh. I'm Josh. What's that? You don't give a shit? Terrific. Why would you? All right, here's a little Coleman Hawkins. Let's just see the movie unfold. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Drone footage from above, aerial shot of a brick town. It was the fall of 2021. He scooted his fancy little leather chair up to the microphone and decided to record another episode. It would probably be the same old shit reheated, but he felt inspired that day. There was something different, a little pep in his step, as he walked in the front door earlier that day after a hard day's work with the students. His wife was in the kitchen shaking up a Manhattan. He grabbed her, dipped her like a good old-fashioned wedding dance, and gave her a smooch that she would never forget. His kids ran up to him. Daddy! Daddy! They said. As he showed him the new toys he picked up that day at Target. And he kicked off his shoes, turned on a terribly boring Thursday night football game, and had himself a cheeseburger. Oh, what kind of meat, you ask? Grass-fed, organic, cage-free. After that, he decided to run a shower. Oh, boy, is this boring. But with Coleman Hawkins playing, you could tell. Things might never be the same around here. You give the date, you give the season, and you try to set the tone a little. It was the summer of 1959. Everyone was in a frenzy, even Peggy Donantinelli, who had just crashed her daddy's T-bird into the school gymnasium. Coleman Hawkins, don't stop. We'll keep it going. It was the winter of 1973. The sommelier poured his final glass of Montepulciano, lit up a cigarette, and said goodbye to that diner that he's been at for 65 years. He got behind the wheel of his Chrysler Seabreeze. <laughs> Is that the name of a Chrysler? Probably not. He got behind the wheel of his Nissan Xterra, which has been discontinued. He got behind the wheel of a Saturn, which has also been discontinued. He got behind the wheel of his Daihatsu, which has probably been discontinued. He got behind the wheel of his Subaru Outback, and he head off into the sunset, knowing that his life of pouring wine had come to an end. 
That bullshit was done. He was now going to set sail on the high seas and make his way to Puerto Rico, where he was going to open up his own donut shop. Apple fritters, glazed, you name it, maple, we got it all. All right, I don't know what the fuck happened. All right, let's try another Coleman Hawkins. You're not still listening to this, are you? You really shouldn't be. All right. Ooh, that was a sweet ending. All right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Where are you going with this? Where are you going, Coleman? Oh, I like this. I like this. It was the spring of 1919. This old bag of bones had had enough of the bullshit, so he set off on the highway all the way to San Leandro. He heard there was a nice lobby lounge at the Motel 6, a place where a gal could feed him all the bourbon he needed before he settled into one of those old beds with a massage vibration mattress. You put the quarters in that are only in movies. No one's ever actually seen a hotel bed with the vibration, right? With the quarters just in the movies. And he would himself to sleep. Would he wake up? Of course not. It's a saxophone solo. It's got to be sad. And that was it. Jan and Stan Berenstain wrote a book about a new baby bear. The one thing about this book that didn't make sense is that Brother Bear never noticed that Mama Bear was pregnant. And by the time he came back from cutting wood with Papa Bear in the woods, she had given birth alone. No doctor was in their little treehouse. Have you seen this? Jan and Stan Berenstain, the greatest children's authors of all time. Hold on, let me turn Coleman off. Let me end with this. Um, Berenstain Bears books. Great. They're great. Except for the one about having a new baby. Um, how do I say this? Brother Bear outgrew his bed. It's almost like Jan and Stan Berenstain. Hey, you know Jan and Stan? Well, Jan and Stan must have had a deadline. And they must have been drinking heavily, as the publisher called and said, come on, I need the new book, the new baby book. So they said, okay, okay, okay. So Brother Bear is growing and he needs a new bed. So Papa Bear's like, all right, let's go into the woods and cut down a tree with an ax. Let's drink honey and talk man to man about females and sports. But as Brother Bear is leaving, he looks at his mom and he's like, whoa, what's happening? She's like, I'm pregnant with your new baby sister who's going to be born soon. She's going to be born that day. And Mama Bear is going to give birth alone in a treehouse? Um, that's a plot hole, folks. Brother Bear would have noticed. And of course, they're going to give the little bed that he grew out of to the new baby bear. And he comes back with his new big bed. So is this about lumber? Is this about craftsmanship? Is this about axes? Is this about father-son bonding? Or is this book truly about a new baby? Because the new baby's not really a part of it until the end when Brother Bear comes home and he's like, what, I have a new sibling? Are you kidding me? And there's no blood anywhere? Mama Bear just cleaned it all up because you know if she gave birth to a baby bear in that house, it would be a bloody scene. But instead, she's just back in that nightgown, that blue nightgown with polka dots looking happy. Hey, how are you? While you were gone, um, chopping down wood, to make a bet, I ended up giving birth to Sister Bear, who's already in her pink overalls. I, I don't know. I don't know. See, I like a good children's book. Don't get me wrong. But I still need it to, yeah, I still need it to be close to reality. 
which means I'm probably the worst audience for children's books in the history of children's books. And that's my time. Okay, get off your feet. You probably listen to the whole podcast on your feet. What is the next lyric? Gloria, get on your feet. All right, I got to end this. Uh, I don't know. I was going to go into something else, but I feel like uh, it's time. It's time for me to hit the couch and watch Dope Sick, episode two with Michael Keaton. Are you watching this on Hulu? The I'll, I'll get into opioids on the next uh, podcast. You stay tuned. That's a little suspense. Ooh, what's he going to say about Oxycontin? Well, you got to stay tuned. But this episode, it's done. It's in the books, folks. I'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.